Hallelujah. God is good. All the time, all the time. God is good. That's his nature. Wow. (laughs) Amen. Hallelujah. Whether you're here or whether you're watching at home, I believe the spirit of God is going to invade your life this morning. Amen. But you have to have an open heart. You have to have an open heart. You know, you have to, like as Annette said, you know, your perception, you have to open your heart. You know, when it talks about, you know, good ground, we understand, we understand, uh, you know, the principle of the seed. And we know that God's kingdom operates on sowing and reaping. But when Jesus was talking about the laws of seed time and harvest and talking about the good ground principle, he was talking about the sower sows the word. And we know, you know, what we sow into and those things, we know that's our heart. And, but if you look at Matthew chapter 13, it talks about that he who can see and hear and it says and understand that's good ground. And see, when you can see it and you can hear it and you can understand it, now you can bring forth 30, 60 and a hundred fold. Right. And, and so, so, but we have to, we have to have an open heart to receive what God wants to deposit in our lives. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter 56. Isaiah 56. And I have like three messages rolling around in here. So we're, we'll, just, we'll just see what, see what happens this morning. Before I get in the Word, I wanted to acknowledge it's great to have Miss Carolyn with us this morning. Give our founding pastor a hand. Amen. Hallelujah. So grateful for you and, and, and Dr. Savell. And we prayed over you this morning. And so grateful for uh, you and your obedience to, to establish this church. And, and also Preston and Christian. So good to see you this morning. Amen. So good to have them from... California, and uh, I don't know if you know Rick Rayner or not, but uh, Christian is their uh, their daughter, and uh, and Preston, they're married. They live in California, and it's so good to have them with us. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Now I've been talking about altars, and this is a you know really the third third part, I guess you could say. And this all came about about six months ago. I was I was sitting in our back modular building in the back, and and I was about to walk out the door and. And I looked over and um, I saw these altar benches and, um, and, and, I, and, I, and I went over and I, I, I sat down on it. And when I sat down on the altar, the, the presence of God came on me and, um, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and encouraged me. He said, I want you to talk about altars. I want you to pastor your people about the importance of what altars are all about and the significance of what altars are. And so that's what we've been dealing with. And I, I said this last week, you know, when we had the, the Bible school and, and before we remodeled the, um, the sanctuary here, we had like a, we had angles on the stage. And so we had both those altar benches on each side and, and, you know, God met me on these altars. Can anyone say that God's met you at an altar? I mean, I've received messages for this church at this bench right here. I, 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 you know, I'd walk around, you know, early on, you know, um, you know, I would, I would, um, come, you know, four thirty, five in the morning and just walk around on Sunday mornings and just pray and, and ask the Lord, what, what do your people need this morning? And I would, I would some, somewhere on that time, I would, I would, I would be at this altar. There's something significant about the altars that we have in our life. And, and, you know, what we've discovered 
is, is that altars is a, is a place where you meet with God. We say altars is, is a place where God revealed himself. It's a place where he made covenant. You know, we, we learned that, that, you know, that the altar is, is always a place of mercy. It's not a place, it's n- not a place of judgment. It's a place of mercy. You know, we, we learned how in, in Hebrews chapter 13, we learned how that we have an altar. It says we have an altar and it says, and we go therefore unto him who is outside. And it says that he was crucified outside the city gates. And then it says, and we come unto him and we give the fruit of our lips by acknowledging and glorifying his name. And that represents the altar that was inside the temple. I'm so grateful that, that Jesus provided an altar to forgive my sins. So then I could go into, into the temple and I could offer incense of praise and worship to him. And I could be in God's presence. We have an altar. We have an altar. Now let's look at in in Isaiah chapter 56. We may touch on a little bit of other stuff from last week as well, but Isaiah 56 Verse seven, it says, all these I will bring into my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will I accept on my altar and my house will be called a house of prayer for all people. So my house to be a house of prayer and there there'll be burnt offerings and sacrifices that I will accept on my altar And my house will be called a house of prayer. In this word prayer, the more it's more significant relating to my house being a house of worship. In Romans chapter 12, it says, brethren, I beseech you, brethren. It says, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto him. And what we learned from this was that you and I, we are the sacrifice. I'm so grateful that you didn't line up here with bulls and goats this morning. But you know what? You and I are the sacrifice that we brought today. You are the sacrifice that you bring every day. And it's in that and only that, that now you can receive all the mercies of God. Because it says, I beseech you, brethren, by all, it says, all the mercies of God that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So when I come to an altar, when I come to him, then now what happens is I'm open to all the mercies of God, all the mercies of God. Everything is available to him when I surrender my life to him, when I surrender a situation to him, when I surrender a sickness to him, when I surrender my financial lack to him, when I surrender my lack of wisdom, when I surrender anything that I am now, I can now receive all the mercies of God. God wants to bless you. He wants to prosper you. Why? Because he has mercy towards you. Now let's go to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew 21. Thank you, Father, for your mercy. I encourage you to go back and listen uh, as we talk more of than what I want to talk, just bring up here in uh, Matthew chapter 21. 
Remember, God's idea and God's desire in Isaiah 56 was that his house would be a house of prayer, right? That was, that was the father's design. And here in verse 12, it says, And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all of them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you made it a den of robbers, a den of thieves. Now here, what, it, what happened? Jesus knew the father's heart. We know even the disciples knew the scripture and it said, it said that the zeal of my father's house has eaten me up. Meaning, meaning my father's house is no longer been what it was meant to be. See, it meant to be a place where people could receive, but all of a sudden now it's a place where they're being taken from. The enemy has stolen the purpose of God's house. You see, you see the, you know, the house of God, the house of God, when we, we, we unpacked this last week and we talked about every time there was an altar, God connected that to Bethel, which was the house of God, which was the house of God. And it was a place, a house of God had, had only a few things. They had an altar, they had sacrifices and it had God's presence. But yet as humans, what we have done, we've made it about stages instead of about altars. We've made it about, we've made it about performance instead of what I'm pursuing. Altars, we, as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have to come back to what it means to have an altar. Now it's nothing necessarily, it's not about the piece of furniture. It's about what you understand the piece of furniture to be. Because you can come down to a piece of furniture in a church or come down to the front of the church and never be changed. It's about your heart because, you know, you and I are the temple of the living God. So are you more concerned with your performance and having a stage? Are you more concerned with having an altar and pursuing? So here Jesus, he had to kick over, he had to kick over the things that were keeping the house of God from what it was meant to be. And that's why you and I have to let him kick over some tables in our hearts. We have to let him kick over some perspectives in our heart. Let him kick over some, some wrong opinions and wrong thoughts and some religious ideas. So what? So the house of God can be what was always meant to be. Look at verse 14 and the blind and the lame came to him. It's immediately, what I love this, immediately when he got out the obstacles, what happens? People came to him. What is that? They came to the altar. They came to the altar. And immediately when they came to the altar, the blind and the lame were healed. See, a moment when they got rid of the obstacles, the moment they got rid of the stage, so to speak, then all of a sudden now, now the altar, Jesus, they came to the altar being Jesus. And all of a sudden people were healed. And then verse 15 says, and when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were sore displeased. They saw the wonderful things and they heard the children. Hosanna to the son of David. They were sore displeased. And he said to them, 
Hearest thou what these say? And Jesus said unto them, you have never read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings. Thou hast hast perfected praise. Here, they were getting on to the people coming to God's house. The moment that it became what it was meant to be, the religious people had an issue with it. And, and people will always have an issue with your, you pursuing God. They will. And here, here he said, haven't you read? Now let's look at here. What was Jesus talking about? He was talking about Psalm chapter eight, verse two. Let's get into some new things this morning. Psalm chapter eight, read verse one and two. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. As Jesus taught the word, the power of the Lord was present to heal. Hallelujah. I declare that in this place and those watching by way of internet. Amen. Hallelujah. Psalm chapter 8, verse 2, it says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Remember the, remember the altar, when they made an altar, every place they did it, they, Abraham would call on the name of the Lord. What did Isaac do? He made an altar and he called on the name of the Lord. What did Jacob do? He made an altar and he called on the name of the Lord. So here, what are they doing? How excellent is your name in all the earth? So anywhere you choose to call on the name of the Lord, you had just made an altar. Because now you're inviting who he is, what he is, and his ability into your situation. And verse two says, out of the mouth of babes and unweed infants, you have established strength because of your foes that you might silence the enemy and the avenger. Now, Jesus was quoting this. Jesus quoted this, right? we just saw that. So the house of God was meant to be a house of worship, to be a house of praise. And Jesus was saying, hey, didn't you know that this was my father's house should be a house, house of praise? Didn't you know that my father's a house would be a, a place where they would give forth perfect praise? And what does that praise do? We see here, it says it silences the enemy and the avenger. You see, when you come unto him with an attitude and you sacrifice your heart and you sacrifice your life and you bring your life before him, I'm telling you, the enemy has to get behind you. The enemy has to get behind you. No matter where you make a place of praise. I I love what what Dr. Spell ministered years ago and it was in 2004. The God of the breakthrough will visit your house. And he would talk about the depth of your praise would determine the magnitude of your breakthrough. Let me say it again. The depths of your praise would determine the magnitude of your breakthrough. Now think about this. When when Jacob had had a bunch of of sons and he's at the end of his life and he prophesies over each son, he gets to this one son and he calls him Judah. And Judah means what? Praise. Praise. And what does it say about Judah? It says in Judah, it says, and he would put his hand on the neck of the enemy. That's what it prophesies. That's what Jacob prophesies over his son. His name will be Judah and he will put his hand on the neck of the enemy. So if you picture that, what does praise do? Praise puts the hand on the neck of your enemy. You, You see, you see when Jesus got the enemy out of the house, 
and praise started happening, then the enemy had to get out of the house. You see, there's something about, there's something about praise. See, this is the year of abundant overflow. This is a year where God will outpour his goodness like we've never seen before. This is a year of restoration, recovery, and recompense. This is a year of first, the things that we've never seen before. Hallelujah. But when we understand that as believers, we live at this altar, this is the altar is not a place where I visit. The altar is a place where I live. See, perfect praise. See, the enemy will always try to silence perfect praise. The altar. Go to Second Chronicles chapter 5. I'm going to talk about the altar some more. While you're turning there, right towards the end of 2 Samuel chapter 24, God tells David, he tells him, he says, I want you to, there was a plague that had come into the land. And, um, and he says, David, I, I want you to, I want you to build me an altar. And so he goes to this guy, Aruna and, and goes, and he needs this piece of land to be able to build this altar. And Aruna come, goes back to David and said, David, I'll give you this land. I'll give you this land. And David said, no, 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 don't give me this land. He said, because I'm not going to offer anything to God that I haven't, I ha- that hasn't cost me anything. And then what happened is said, and there David erected an altar. And when he erected the altar, the plague was stayed. Meaning the plague had to go backwards. I think as believers, we need to understand our position and our place authority in the earth as it pertains to coronavirus. Take our place as it pertains to things and plagues and things that are happening within our communities. Because as we go to the altar and we remain at the altar, it says the plague went backwards. That's just a side note. So let's look at Second Chronicles chapter 5. Thank you, Father. Now here in second Chronicles chapter five, I I may, it may feel like I'm kind of skipping around different things this morning, but I'm just talking out of just what the Lord's given me. Okay. Hallelujah. Second Chronicles chapter five, verse 11. And this is all having to do with Solomon building a place for God. And he says, verse 11. And when the priests had come out of the holy place for all the priests present had sanctified themselves separating themselves from everything that defiles without regard to their divisions. Meaning they came to the house of God with one focus, one purpose. And you know what? They didn't go up according to their divisions. That's something as believers we need to really get a hold of. There's no black, there's no white. There's no brown. There's no, there's the body of Christ. There's mask, no mask, vaccine, unvaccinated. There's 
I mean, I mean, so we, we got to get rid of these divisions that the, that the world is constantly trying to push in, in the world. My, my bottom line is you, you, you need to be led by God. I mean, we, we've got, we got to get away from these divisions because the divisions are hindering the church from being the church. And so here, what happened is they had, they, they went up not according to their divisions. I mean, it didn't matter what part of that tribe they were from. It didn't matter. Verse 12 says, and all the Levites who were singers and all those of Asaph, Herman, Jeduthun, and their sons and the kinsmen arrayed in fine linen, having cymbals and harps and lyres in the east end of the altar. And with them, the priests blowing trumpets. And it came to pass that as the trumpeters and singers were one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice and praised the Lord saying, for he is good for his mercy endures forever. Then the house of the Lord was filled with the cloud, even the house of the Lord. So that all the priests could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud for the glory of the Lord had filled the house. So when they came together in unity and they were at the east side of the altar, what happened? As they praised God, what the glory of God fell. Now we could stay on that and we could talk about that some more, but I want to keep reading here. Let's look at verse six. Then Solomon said, now this is all in, take all this in account is, is one story here. Okay. Then Solomon said, so while that glory is present, Solomon says something. Then Solomon said, the Lord has said that he would dwell in thick darkness, but I have built a house of habitation for thee and a place for thy dwelling forever. And the king turned his face and blessed the whole congregation of Israel and all the congregation of Israel stood. Now listen to this. And he said, blessed be the Lord God of Israel who hath with his hands fulfilled that which he spoke with his mouth. That God had done with his hands what he had spoken with his mouth. I'm going to, I'm going to probably talk about that next week. Sorry. Since that, it says, since the day that I brought forth my people out of the land of Egypt, I chose no city among all the tribes of Israel to build a house in that my name might be there. Neither choose that my name might be there. Neither chose I any man to be ruler over my people, Israel. But I've chosen Jerusalem. Now let's look at verse 12. And Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel. And he spread forth his hands. For he made a bronze scaffold. Five cubits square, three cubits high. And he sat in the midst of the court. Upon it he stood. And he knelt upon his knees before all the assembly of Israel. And he spread forth his hands towards heaven. And he said, O Lord God of Israel, there's no God like you in heaven or in earth, keeping covenant and showing mercy and loving kindness to your servants who walk before you with all their hearts. Now, I want you to get a picture here. Here, Solomon makes an altar. It's seven and a half feet wide. Now, this... This is, this is nine feet. So, you know, take about right here. So it's, it's from here to there wide and it's, and it's about four and a half feet wide. Now, most of the time with altars, it was something that you would bring and put sacrifices on animals on, 
But what happened? Solomon. Just hold that thought. What did Jesus say? What did all, what were the, the children praising God in the temple in Matthew chapter 13? Hosanna to the son of David. Well, who was really the son of David? It was Solomon. But yet they knew, but yet at the same time, they knew that the Messiah would come from David. But I just want you to see the parallel here. Solomon, the son of David, built this altar. But yet he didn't put any animals on it. It said what he stood on it. And he knelt down on it. This is the first time that you see that man now put himself on the altar. Now, the first time that you see it, you see, you see Abraham doing it with Isaac. But this was the first time that a man that's standing before God, lifting his hands, built an altar himself and chose to kneel and lift his hands to heaven. The son of David was giving us a picture of worshiping at an altar. If you don't take time in your personal life to kneel at an altar, there's something missing. It might be heavy. Because this is, they said, this is a heart. It's not necessarily coming up to the front of the church. Although there's times we'll do that. And we need to do that. But an altar is anywhere where you choose to push out everything away and just make it you and him. See, it's easy to become professional Christians. It's easy to play the part. It's easy to look the part. But as I said earlier, God's not interested in your stage. He's interested in your altar. And it was in this place and it was in this moment that here for like 30 some, 30 some verses here, here Solomon is pouring out his heart to God. And he, and he talks about when we come to you and there's plagues, when we come to you and you, and we turn to you and you'll forgive our sins and we'll, we'll do this and you'll, you'll heal this and you'll do that. And he gets done this prayer. Thank you, Father. Let's look at, um, let's go down to verse 39. And there's so much here that, that he prays. But in verse 39, he says, then hear from heaven, your dwelling place, their prayer and supplication and maintain their cause and forgive your people who have sinned against you. Now, listen, now th- this is him kneeling down. He says, now, oh, my God, I beseech you. Let your eyes be open and your ears attentive to the prayer offered in this place. 
So now arise, O Lord, and come into your resting place, you and the ark of your strength and power. Let your priests, O Lord, be clothed with salvation and let your saints rejoice in good and in your goodness. O Lord God, turn not away the face of me, your anointed one. Remember your good deeds, mercy and steadfast love for David, your servants. Now let's look at chapter seven, verse one. When Solomon had finished praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifice and the glory of the Lord had filled the house. The priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. And when all the people of Israel saw how the fire came down, the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed with their faces upon the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord saying, for he is good for his mercy and loving kindness endure forever. All this from a man that was pouring out his heart. Now let's look at verse 12. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. Wow, you know, he called it a house of sacrifice, not a house of the Lord. A house of sacrifice. He said, if I shut up heaven so no rainfall, or if I command locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people. But he says, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves. Pray, seek, crave, and require of necessity my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer offered in this place. For I've chosen and sanctified and set apart this house that my name may be here forever and my eyes and my heart will be here perpetually. You know, we've heard this scripture a lot over the last year. If my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. I think I can, I'm just going to speak for me. I'm not going to talk for you, but there's, I can know that scripture, believe that scripture and still not do that scripture. We, there's something I believe missing in the body of Christ. And I believe it's this heart of surrendered humility. I think sometimes we can have too much pride in our faith and pride in what we know, pride in scriptures we may have memorized or our, our works, so to speak, that we have to come to this place of living at an altar where I require the Lord in every decision I make in everything that I do. And everything that I am. An altar is about 
surrendering. It's about giving everything that you have to him. And it's in that moment. It's in, see, that's why Jesus had to remove the money changers. Why? Because God couldn't come into his, come with his fullness and all that he is. There's a lot I could, I could go in. There's a lot I could, I, I could say in this, but get a picture on the inside of you. Jesus is our altar. And on the day of Pentecost, when the disciples went to the upper room in one place, they could be in so many other places. They could have gone back to the, some of them did go back to their own places. He talked to 500 people, but only 120 showed up. But yet when they were in one accord in the temple, praying, they, they had let their agenda go out the window. They had to let what they wanted out the window they, they even let, let go of their perception on how Jesus was going to, to take over the Roman government. They had got rid of every idea of what God was going to do. And they all come to this place in the upper room in 120 of them. It's interesting that, that there was 120 in second Chronicles chapter five of all different divisions. And yet the glory of God came down. And yet in the, in the new Testament, there's 120 and, and from different backgrounds, different places. And they're all in this one place with one focus that, that, that here at that place, all of a sudden became an altar. And when they came to that place in unity, what happened? The Holy spirit was poured out and it came down and it said, and it was like tongues of fire falling on each one of them. There's something about surrender that opens you up to all that he has. There's something about when we come to the altar, it totally removes the enemy and brings change to our lives. The altar. The altar. It's a place of surrender, but at the same time, it's a place where the glory of God and the fire of God bring change. Let me close with this. Go to Isaiah chapter 57. Isaiah chapter 57. Thank you, Father. Kelly, can you put up um, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15? Now, let's read Isaiah, I mean, sorry, Hebrews 13, verse 15. It says, through him, Jesus, therefore, let us constantly and all times offer up to God a sacrifice of praise. A sacrifice of praise. A sacrifice of praise. You know, you're not always going to want to praise God. And, and for some of us, which is the fruit of lips. So it tells us, you know, if you're not saying nothing, you're probably not doing it. It's not like, well, I praise you inside. No, it's, it's a sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of lips. And then, then you, you're like, well, I don't know what to say. It tells you what to say. Thankfully acknowledge and confess his 
and glorify his name. All God's wanting for the church is for us to make room for him. That's all, all he's wanting is us for us to make room for him. That's what creating an altar is all about. When the, when they went into the upper room, 120 of them, what were they doing? They were making room for him. Have you made room for him? Now let's look here. Isaiah 57. Let's look at 13. Could read this whole chapter, but verse 13 says, when you cry out, let your rabble, the Amplified says, rabble collections of idols deliver you, but the wind shall take them all. A breath shall carry them away, but he who takes refuge in me shall possess the land and shall inherit my holy mountain. Now think about it. He's talking about idols and he's talking about, he's talking about himself. Those who take refuge in me shall possess the land. See, when you make him an altar, when you make him your refuge, he's saying you'll possess the land. Verse 14, and the word of the one shall come forth. Cast up, cast up prayers, prepare the way. Take up the stumbling block out of the way of the spirit's return of my people. Verse 15, for thus says the high and lofty one, he who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place, but with him who is of a thoroughly penitent and a humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the thoroughly penitent. Verse 16, for I will not contend forever, neither will I be angry always For if I did stay angry, the spirit of man would faint and be consumed before me. Now listen, and my purpose in creating the souls of men would be frustrated. (laughs) My purpose and why I created humanity would be frustrated. You're created for a purpose. You're created to worship him. Verse 17 because of the iniquity of, of, of his Judah's covetousness and unjust gain, I was angry and smote him. I hid my face and was angry. And he went on turning away and backsliding in the way of his own willful heart. Wow, get a picture of this. It's talking about God's people and they willfully kept turning their back on God. But verse 18 says... I have seen his willful ways. Now listen, but I will heal him. I will lead him also and will recompense him and restore comfort to him and to those that mourn. What is is this? A year of recovery, a year of restoration, a year of recompense. What does it say? I have seen his ways, but I will heal him. I will lead him also and will recompense him and restore him comfort to him, to those that mourn for him. Now, verse 19, peace, peace to him who is far off, both Jew and Gentile and to him who is near, says the Lord. What does it say? I create the fruit of his lips and will heal him for his lips, bossom anew with speech and thankful praise. 
So what is Hebrews talking about? Hebrews is saying Isaiah 57. That's what is this coming from. So if we, if we take these two thoughts together, what Hebrews 13 is talking about and what Isaiah 57 is talking about is this coming to the altar, giving thanks to his name. Because as we give thanks to his name, what does it say? I will heal and I will restore and I will recompense them. Let me close with this, this thought. Some of you know my story. I wasn't in a church when I, in the Spirit of God, came on my life and healed my body and changed my life forever. In my sister's living room, when I called on the Lord, I called on the Lord. You know, up to that time, I, I, I knew about God. I'd, I'd heard about God. I grew up in a, in, in a great Christian home. But yet there came a time in my life where I was worried about if I gave in to all that God had, what would I miss out on? I, I knew even at a young age that I knew I had a call upon my life, but, but, but yet at the same time, I couldn't really give up what I, I didn't, I, I, Lord, I couldn't really trust God with, with, with my life. And see, so you can be serving God and you can be, be a Christian and you can be going to heaven, but yet there's still part of you that aren't giving up the reins to him. And it wasn't until I humbled myself. It wasn't until I humbled myself and I came to a place where I yielded my life to God and I worshiped God and I praised God that his glory came into my sister's living room and set me free. Amen. I, think of, I think of Dr. Savell. It's February 11th of 1969. Everyone else is asleep. He had just come from a church service. And he, I don't know if he ever went to bed that night or, or, or what. Miss Carolyn can correct me. And, but there came a time where he was like, wait. He said, I, I heard this minister speak and there was something real about it. There was something. I heard faith. I heard Jesus. And the spirit of God was working in his life. But yet he got to a place where he was like, God, if you could still use me. I've run from you for so many years, but if you could still use me. Here I am. I I don't know what time he may have prayed that prayer or what time he said that. But I do know that Miss Carolyn wakes up and. And Grandma Creech, she goes and gets Grandma Creech, come see what's happening. And they come in, and they're in the living room, and they're both in tears. And for hours, Dr. Savell is praying in tongues. What happened? He surrendered, and the glory of God came. And the enemy leaves. See, when we surrender, the glory of God comes, and the enemy leaves. When we surrender, the glory of God comes and the enemy leaves. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. Thank you, Father. The altar. 
It's a place of surrender. But understand the place of surrender becomes a place of glory. The place of surrender will become a place of glory. Which for me, that place of glory became a place of freedom. Your surrender to the altar, your surrender to Jesus is a place that will, God will meet you and you will experience his freedom. Thank you. Right where you are. Make where you are an altar. Maybe you're at home and you're watching the service today. Thank you, Father. Make right where you're standing an altar. Father, we humble ourselves under your mighty hand. Because it's only in that you can exalt us. Lord, help us to understand what the Apostle Paul said. And he said, my life is not my own, but it's bought with a price. Holy Spirit, open our eyes that we would see the importance of our surrender. Because in that surrender, that you heal heal our land. It's in that surrender. Where the enemy is silenced. It's in that surrender that every oppressive yoke is broken. I command the oppressive spirit of addiction be broken. Surrender. tormented by your past mistakes and things you've said and things you've done I want you to know as you just bring that to the Lord and you give it to him the glory of God comes in and comforts your heart 
Give it to him. What's weighing heavy on you? What seems to weigh the heaviest on your heart? It was never anything that you were meant to carry. He said, cast all your care upon me because I care for you. See, he's a, it's an altar of mercy. If there's something weighing heavy on your heart, then it's something you haven't truly given to him. Is it a future spouse? Is it a, is it a, is it situation with your, with a loved one? You, if it's weighing heavy on you, then you have to, you have to come to the altar and give it to him. As believers, our our lives aren't aren't about never having trouble or never having disappointments or discouragement. Our life as Christians is is knowing who our source of strength is. It's, It's knowing that the word of God will see me through. The spirit of God will get me through. It's not about what you can do. It's about what he has already done and what he can do. From the littlest thing to the biggest thing, we have to live a life at the altar. And the altar is that place of humility. Lord, I thank you for healing hearts in this place. Maybe here watching at home and you have symptoms that are just overwhelming and you're fatigued in your physical body. Make where you are an altar. Oh, Father, we give you every symptom. We give you every sickness, disease. We give you virus. We give you the fever. We give you everything. We give you this entire situation. And I command healing to flow. Healing to flow. Spirit of joy for the spirit of heaviness. Healing presence flow. That the glory of God would overtake them. The glory of God would overtake everyone in this room. The goodness of God, the presence of God, the power of God would rest upon every life in this place. Jesus. Just lift your hands. It says, and we go to him. The fruit of our lips, thankfully acknowledging and blessing and glorifying his name. Just right where you are, just glorify him. Glorify his name. Father, we thank you 
that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. We thank, we're so thankful that you're our healer. You're our restorer. I thank you that you are restoring. You are making better. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, that we're recovering. You said to lay hands on the sick and they would recover. I thank you that recovery is taking place in this house and in those that are watching by way of internet. I thank you that the the voice of the enemy is silenced. I thank you that victory, victory flows in and through our lives. Hallelujah. And I thank you that you're healing our land. You're healing our nation. You're restoring and healing our nation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I thank you that the voice of the enemy is ceasing and desisting in our nation. And I thank you the voice of God is being proclaimed in this nation. Heal our land. Thank you, Father. We praise you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You receive this word this morning. Give him a shout of praise. Receive the word. Amen. Hallelujah.